This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. An island that punches above its weight with a target of 12 to 14 million international tourist arrivals in 2023 and receipts of 18 to 21 billion dollars can only describe Singapore. Despite its size, Singapore is consistently featured as a must-visit destination in Southeast Asia, but its neighbours are also giving it a run for its money and will an economic slowdown dampen its plans for a full recovery by 2024? To answer these questions and more, Melissa Ao, Chief Executive of Singapore Tourism Board, joins us. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Xiaoning, for having me on the show. Okay, so it's already November. Will Singapore achieve its international tourist arrival targets of between 12 to 14 million? Because from the data, till end September, it was 10.14 million. So it might be possible to even hit the upper band thanks to seasonality? Yeah, well, tourism recovery in Singapore has been on a steady path. Um, and I think we are confident that uh, for 2023, we will likely end the year uh, probably towards the upper bound of the forecast that we have given, which is around 14 million. If I look at the details of who's coming, in previous year, China was a significant market for Singapore, like in 2019 with 3.63 million visitors. But this year, Indonesia so far leads the pack with 1.7 million. China so far only 1 million visitors. Do you see this trend continuing into 2024 with the Chinese preferring to, to stay at home? Um, well, I think across all our markets, we are seeing very healthy recoveries. Um, in fact, I would say across our top 10 markets, many of them are already at about 80% or more, uh, with the exception of China, of course, mm. compared to 2019. Um, China, I think, has been a little bit slower in terms of uh, the comeback of tourists. But looking ahead into 2024, we're actually quite optimistic that the return will be swift. And in terms of tourist receipts, though, will you be able to achieve those figures? Because the Chinese are well known for their spending power. Well, even without the Chinese uh, making a full recovery for this year, um, actually our tourism revenue numbers have been performing very well. Um, I think we're quite confident that we will definitely be able to uh, end the year somewhere in the middle of that range that we've given. Um, in fact, I think one of the key drivers of that is the fact that uh, tourists are actually spending longer uh, stays in Singapore. Yeah. So that has been, I think, helping a lot on the tourism revenue front for Singapore. Yes, I did notice that because the average length of stay now is 3.89 days and even higher than during pre-pandemic levels so in 2019 it was three and a half days. Is this part of STB's efforts to share Singapore status as a tourist stopover and how has that been achieved? Because you're a wee island that's just 728.6 square kilometres, 50 kilometres from east to west and 27 kilometres from north to south. Well, I think Singapore has been very fortunate in uh, establishing its position as being a desirable destination. Um, so it's not just the stopover traffic. Actually, a lot of uh, the visitors who come to Singapore um, come to Singapore as a mono destination. Um, obviously, we also benefit from uh, some stopover traffic because mm. we are also in a very attractive part of the world. Southeast Asia is a very vibrant uh, market and also a very interesting collective of uh, destinations for us. But isn't Vietnam 
Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand giving Singapore a run for its money? Because yes, I can see attempts to refresh your offerings, but is size your main impediment? Uh, I wouldn't say size is an impediment. Sometimes small good things come in small packages, and I think that's exactly how we like to describe ourselves. Uh, but competition has certainly become more intense uh, since the reopening of many of the markets this year in particular. We are seeing that uh, tourist numbers arriving into Asia-Pacific is growing very strongly. However, Singapore continues to hold its own very well. Um, I do think that in the longer term, we are very optimistic about the prospects of tourism growth in Singapore. You may have read about you know, all the new investments that we're making uh, into the different attractions. So we are in the midst of developing a new master plan for Sentosa Brani. We are also thinking of how else we will be able to expand some of the existing attractions, mm. including our integrated resorts. Uh, and in the nearer term, you would have read perhaps that there are new attractions that have already opened. Um, so this year in itself, I think we welcome uh, close to maybe about five new attractions opening in Singapore. Ultimately, you want the tourists to come back to Singapore, right? And you're going to have to compete with some other countries like Japan. They're introducing their own casinos. Same for Thailand. Whilst your integrated resorts have been around since 2010. So can you build your way to new tourism all the time? I think that it requires uh, a very careful uh, calibration of what we call capacity and infrastructure investments, which is what you are seeing in terms of all the new attractions that are being uh, developed. But at the same time, making sure that we keep the experience refreshed mm. uh, on a more regular basis. And this is where our pipeline of uh, leisure events actually come in. Uh, and they provide uh, an opportunity for visitors to have a new experience every now and then whenever they uh, return to Singapore, be it every year or more than once a year. Uh, and that's just on the leisure events front. The other very critical driver of uh, visitation for us is actually on the MICE or business events front. And you would have seen that uh, that continues to be a very strong performer in its contribution to tourism. So this year in itself, for example, we hosted the World Congress of Dermatologists, 12,000 dermatologists, uh, and everyone in the ecosystem came by to Singapore. Yeah, how do you attract these events? I'm curious, what do you offer to them? Because I'm sure in Malaysia, we would like to have these global MICE events, Thailand also. What's the differentiation here? Um, the, the MICE industry is one which has been very long established in Singapore. So um, working with our partners, be it the venues, mm. uh, with our convention organisers, um, I think that's been very critical. So partnership has been something which is at the heart of many of the successful bids that we've made for uh, MICE events. The other is, I think, having a very deliberate strategy to think about the kind of business events that are aligned with our economic industries that are of priority to Singapore. So be it on fintech, uh, agritech, and also looking at um, some of the other emerging type of uh, uh, industries and sectors, including, of course, uh, you know, we've got uh, energy, which is uh, energy transition, which is a big topic mm. for many industries and companies and countries. So having a strategy that aligns with what the whole of nation is seeking to achieve and grow uh, is very critical. And I think that has been important consideration for us. And clearly people are also willing to pay for experiences now in this post-pandemic world rather than just maybe in the past just going shopping. So is that why Singapore is focusing on concerts, sporting events? After all, highlights for 2024 include six Coldplay concerts and then another six 
Taylor Swift concerts. How much economic spin-off is there for, for events like this? And how have you managed to attract such big names to perform so many nights in Singapore? Well, I have to say that Singapore's fundamentals are very strong when it comes to staging world-class events. Um, firstly, the facilities are top-notch, um, the infrastructure, the convenience. I think that makes for very important uh, factors of consideration for organisers mm. of any event, regardless of whether it's leisure or mice. Um, and of course, what's also important is accessibility, because when Coplay and Taylor Swift wants to come into a city, it's also about how accessible that city is to their following in the region and their fans because it's ultimately about ensuring that the celebrity or the artist has the ability to then engage and connect with the fans. And can sell all the tickets. <laughs> it's all about money, isn't it, at the end of the day? And the, the events have a very positive spin-off for the whole city. So it's not just uh, the, the ticket itself, but all the other in, ancillary spend. And of course, when they're in Singapore, it's not just to see the concert. They spend on visitation to our attractions, at our hotels, um, some shopping and of course, dining. Which brings me to the next topic, costs. Because Singapore is not a cheap city. A strong currency doesn't help. But even then, if I just look at the average room rate this year, it's Singapore $283, up 20% year on year. Before the pandemic in 2019, it was $246. Grab ride from Changi Airport to the city can cost upwards of $50 Singapore dollars, while entrance fees to the zoo, I checked this morning, $50 Singapore dollars. Universal Studios is $82 Singapore dollars. You can see the bill just, you know, increasing. So is this alienating some tourists or reducing the number of days they spend in the city then? Ensuring that we strike the right price value proposition is uh, an area that we are very mindful of. Um, ensuring that it's not just about the cost, but making sure that everyone takes away something which is of uh, worth and, mm. and of merit from the experience itself uh, is critical. Therefore, quality is something which we emphasise tremendously, not just in terms of the experience that we deliver with all our stakeholders in the tourism sector, but more importantly, also in terms of um, the experience in itself. So be Even it though service, it's expensive, quality, it's the best. It's absolutely the best and you will have the most uh, amazing memories of that trip. <laughs> Even though it might cost a bit. But uh, the other thing I noticed is that Singapore, at least STB, is taking this rather interesting approach, which is a traveller portrait approach with 10 categories. So examples of it like city explorer, wellness seeker, family getaways. Why is this a why is a targeted approach taken versus campaigns which we traditionally see from many other tourist sports um, rather than just focusing on a visitor from a specific country or demographic? We have uh, over the many years of trying to grow the tourism industry um, also um, attempted to perfect the way we approach what we call customer centricity. Mm. So being able to understand who exactly our customers what it is that they are interested in, uh, and most importantly, what would give them the motivation to travel to Singapore are all very key questions. Um, and I think data increasingly is being available to many uh, parts of the ecosystem, be it our hoteliers, our attractions, uh, and of course also with uh, F&B and retail partners. Um, we need to have a much clearer understanding of who our customers are so that we may be able to then anticipate and create the right product, services and experiences that will delight them mm. and more importantly persuade them to part with their money. 
And how did you all come up with these 10 categories? I'm interested to know. We have excellent network of partners across many of the markets that we work in. And of course, uh, looking at a lot of the data that we ourselves collect, mm. understanding the type of responses that our visitors provide in terms of what has been uh, a great experience, what makes them um, interested and engaged in uh, coming to Singapore. On the breakfast grill this morning is Melissa Au, Chief Executive of the Singapore Tourism Board. After the break, what does STB spend its budget on and how does it work with the industry to shape a dynamic tourism landscape in this city-state? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. In the hot seat this morning is Melissa Au, Chief Executive of Singapore Tourism Board. Before the break, how does Singapore intend to differentiate itself from the competition and move beyond being a mere short tourist stopover? Melissa, I want to look at the bigger picture because STB is a statutory board under the Ministry of Trade and Industry. You have an operating budget of... 419.5 million Singapore dollars and another 105 for development expenditure. This, of course, is 2022 numbers. I don't have the numbers for 2023. But in any case, what is the focus for the spending and how does STB track the returns of it? The resources that are provided to the Singapore Tourism Board uh, goes towards uh, a few areas which are critical to driving uh, tourism performance. So, of course, brand and marketing is one of the categories in which our budget are allocated. And it goes towards all the different international campaigns um, that we run in our markets so as to create a certain mindshare, appeal, desirability of Singapore as a travel destination. Mm. Uh, it also includes many of the partnerships that we enter into with uh, uh, travel agents, airlines, as well as some of the other uh, less uh, travel and tourism related partners. So, for example, uh, we this, or in 2022, we actually launched a three-year partnership uh, with Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, and through that type of partnership, we are able to leverage the whole Warner Brothers uh, portfolio of IP to create uh, a resonance and also ensure that there is desirability around uh, what Warner Brothers is able to bring to bear across its entire IP suite. I mean, how do you know whether this campaign has the desired multiplier effect? Uh, we do track our campaign performance very closely with all our partners. After all, um, all our partners are equally interested in making sure that campaigns deliver on the return on investments. Mm. Um, and so increasingly, with data being much more available through the different uh, performance marketing measures that we employ, we're able to track actually how each campaign does. Uh, at the same time, then aggregate it across all the markets and then across the entire year to ensure that there is uh, indeed, you know, a bang for our buck when it comes to the amount of money that we put into the different markets and campaigns. So after a while, you know what works and what doesn't, right? Now, the other thing interesting about STB is their mission to shape a dynamic tourism landscape for Singapore. Now, this is in partnership with industry and community. So here, I want to focus on the supporting ecosystem, the businesses. And I see under the STB website, a plethora of licenses and assistance available to support the term quality tourism. I want to understand the thinking behind these initiatives and maybe we choose one program because there are many. So let's say the Tourism Sustainability Program. It's very comprehensive, but how much discussion was there with, with stakeholders to come up with this in the first place? Yeah. Well, sustainability is uh, certainly a hot topic um, and not just from the point of view uh, of uh, a general business, but 
uh, more so for tourism and travel because consumers, I think, are embracing uh, sustainability and they have a very clear understanding of choices that they are making which are green. Mm. Um, we launched a uh, hotel as well as my sustainability roadmaps in partnership with the Singapore Hotel Association and the Singapore Association of Convention and Exhibition Organisers. Um, the roadmap provides for a very clear alignment of uh, objectives around what is important for our hotel stakeholders and for our my stakeholders. So for example, uh, under the hotel's uh, sustainability roadmap, uh, we aligned with our hotel partners to say that uh, in 2023, we would start tracking our emissions and waste uh, with the view to then in 2025 for 60% of all the hotel room stock in Singapore um, to be sustainability uh, certified. Mm. Um, and with a view to then working towards uh, net zero in 2050, which is a whole-of-nation goal. Which begs the question, can travel ever be truly sustainable? How do you avoid calls that what you're doing is just greenwashing? What's the balance between that and, and growth? Um, I think that uh, every country, every industry, every community and organisation will be increasingly scrutinised when it comes to their sustainability mm. efforts. Um, so if you look at uh, what many countries are already embarking on, including Singapore, uh, for our listed companies, uh, you know, disclosure related to ESG uh, is already a requirement for many of the industry, especially the ones which are involved in forestry, agriculture, and so on. Um, I think that um, uh, disclosure is going to be one key area in which uh, companies, industries, uh, will have to be able to stand up to scrutiny. Um, and of course, it's a collective action that is required, not just from companies and organisations mm. or governments. Uh, individuals have the power as well to make sure that they make the right choices, um, that they actually scrutinise the products that they are selecting, um, the destinations that they're going to. Uh, I think that's, that's immensely powerful when it comes to consumers' choice. And how is STB encouraging entrepreneurship. To start a business in this city-state is not cheap, but you need it to add variety and colour to Singapore. It cannot just be slick and large multinational corporations running every attraction, every hotel, every tour, crowding out local businesses. Otherwise, you might be accused of just being a bit bland and grace. So what assistance is available for these entrepreneurs so that there is always this organic and constant rejuvenation to Singapore also? There is a whole suite of government assistance that is mm. dedicated towards startups as well as our SMEs in Singapore, regardless of whether it is in the tourism industry or in other sectors of the economy. Um, specific to tourism, the STB has been embarking on a few different efforts, uh, one of which is uh, the Singapore Tourism Accelerator, which is an equity-free program. We bring together some of the best and most promising startups and we pair them with our industry partners across hotels, travel agents, um, as well as tour operators. Uh, and we think about how some of the ideas and uh, products and services can then be applied into real uh, uh, business uh, problem-solving mm. uh, situations. And more importantly, to then provide actually financial assistance to help those companies scale their products and services. How do you identify which ones are the right businesses that you want to, you know, allow for a grant and how do you track their returns or success? 
Um, I think we we try as much as possible to be inclusive in mm. terms of the types of ideas and startups that we will support. Um, we obviously also look at then which are the key areas which are most in need of either renewal or where there is a very obvious gap in terms of either an experience or a product. Um, that, I think, helps very much to uh, trigger and prioritize what's important for us. And that's where we then look at uh, helping companies which come up with products and services in those areas. Okay, Melissa, in the last few years, especially post-pandemic, one of the biggest challenges I see across the region when it comes to hospitality, tourism, is of course capability development in terms of manpower and raising service standards. Do Singaporeans then still see a tourism sector as a career of career choice or is this line still going to be very dependent on foreign workers since it's currently so understaffed? Because I noticed recently the government now has extended the work permit eligibility to people from Bangladesh, India, Myanmar, Philippines, Sri Lanka and Thailand. The war for talent is real and uh, very intense, I have to say. Uh, and it is actually our job to uh, see how we are able to compete for a fair share of talent. Mm. Um, but more importantly, working with our partners in hotels, uh, also with airlines, tour, tour operators, attractions, mice industry, to see how we can create meaningful jobs and careers that will be attractive to locals. Um, I think compensation is just one aspect of what makes a job desirable. Increasingly, it's also about the uh, how, how rewarding it is in mm. terms of it providing an avenue for the application of your talent uh, and also your passion. And tourism, more than anything, is a people uh, centered business, yeah. uh, which I think speaks to many individuals uh, who are interested to, uh, you know, connect with others. So I think in itself, uh, tourism careers has been something which, uh, very fortunately for us, has been able to attract, uh, you know, a very good pipeline of uh, young talent and also uh, mid-career switches. Um, so actually, we had launched a tourism careers uh, hub, and this is with the intent of helping to place uh, individuals and do job matching for our industry. We were able to help about, I think, 1,000 individuals and place about close to 600 uh, into jobs in the tourism sector itself. Um, speaking of, I think, uh, uh, your other question related to uh, diversifying the supply of yes. workforce, um, the, the policy that you were referring to was really very specific to two vocations. Um, it is on housekeepers as well as porters. Mm. And the reason that the government had uh, actually embarked on providing for uh, alternative sources of markets uh, for these specific jobs is because the labour market in Singapore is very tight. At the same time, I think we recognise that um, these are also jobs and roles that may not have a good fit for many of our local workforce. Um, and so working together with our hotel stakeholders, we had then uh, worked towards a, a new policy that would enable the hospitality industry to continue to thrive and meet the expectations of its guests. Our lives were clearly up and by COVID, tourism was a huge casualty. Is STB ready for another crisis, which maybe this time may not be so drastic, but could be something like a global recession? Well, I think um, in the in the last 
probably 30 years, uh, the world has seen many ups and downs and trials and tribulations from wars to, uh, of course, uh, economic crisis. And we had uh, the pandemic as well in the last three years. Um, it remains to be seen, I think, uh, what the next crisis will be. Uh, but suffice to say, one of the key lessons which we uh, learned and I think we want to continue to build on uh, is really the importance of partnership. Mm. So partnership with everyone in the tourism industry to be able to firstly ensure that we keep uh, workforce and talent and skills, uh, encourage workers in downtime, be it because of pandemic or uh, any kind of uh, economic recession, to remain focused on either upskilling or switching into uh, a new roles in the tourism industry that remains uh, attractive and is hiring and has great potential for growth. So I think partnership is actually one of the key takeaways for us and which I think uh, has actually put us in a very good position, which probably explains uh, the strong recovery that we're experiencing. On that note, thank you for your time. Today in The Breakfast Grill was Melissa, our Chief Executive of Singapore Tourism Board. I'm Wong Xiaoning, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.